and welcome to Survival Dispatch's edition of the Gray Man Briefing. In this podcast series, we're going to look back at events that have occurred over the past couple of weeks. The intent here is to deliver curated news and intel on underreported stories, those delivered with bias elsewhere, and any sort of trend or incident that affects the everyday civilian's freedoms, rights, security, or ability to self-sustain. This means we look at legal updates to the Second Amendment, censorship, government overreach, supply chain disruptions, civil unrest, and more. In this episode, we're just providing the bottom line up front, or the bluff. In short, it's a concise summarization of the full briefs, which are delivered in greater detail at graymanbriefing.com. That's gray with an A. There you'll get news, analysis, sources, and more delivered via the Signal and Telegram apps, along with a weekly email. Anyway, let's get right into it. And as a way of introduction, this is Wesley from Super Essie Straps. I'll be doing your readout of the past few weeks' briefs. Okay, we are back, and this week we're primarily going to cover government oversight briefings. At the end of the podcast, I will do a quick summary of everything else we think you should be aware of, ranging from Second Amendment changes, civil unrest, the supply chain, preparedness, you name it. Let's get started with government oversight. In New York City, the Department of Environmental Protection and other NYC authorities have drafted new emissions regulations that would impact businesses that use coal and wood-burning stoves. This is the whole pizza uh, wood-burning stove issue that you've probably heard about on the news if you've been watching. The gist of it is these rules are going to supposedly reduce carbon emissions by 75% by using equipment that removes impurities from the smoke in these wood-burning stoves. However, it's going to cost these businesses about $25,000 to install this equipment that will help them comply with the new regulations. Separately, the attorney generals from 10 different states, this is of course New York, Alaska, Illinois, Maryland, Minnesota, a, a whole range of them, They've begun filings to sue the EPA, claiming that the EPA has not done enough to reduce emissions from residential wood-burning stoves, and the EPA, quote, approved methods to replace heating equipment that lack clarity and allow for too much flexibility, end quote, for the citizens. And again, separately, the EPA has issued a final rule to decrease the use of hydrofluorocarbons, these are HFCs, by up to 40% by 2028 in a claimed effort to reduce emissions of the climate super pollutant, which are being used as refrigerants and cooling systems such as refrigerators, heat pumps, and air conditioners. So expect uh, increased regulations on other equipment we use in our house daily. And in one final government-related oversight issue, a federal ban went into effect the beginning of August on halogen light bulbs compact fluorescent lights, and incandescent light bulbs. Basically, the prohibition is on manufacturers and retailers. It's now unlawful to manufacture or create the common light bulb that was invented about 140 years ago. The Department of Energy, uh, this measure by them, reversed a Trump-era rule that permitted the sale of such lights. 
And moving on, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has issued a temporary emergency stay of a lower court in Louisiana who had issued a preliminary injunction that prohibited the federal government from colluding with social media to censor protected speech. That lower court, which had blocked the government from doing this, they ruled that the DOJ and other federal agencies, quote, regulated protected free speech on social media in an or Orwellian fashion. The DOJ asked that they be permitted to collude, and of course they were granted that emergency stay, and they can now continue to pressure social media to censor post and add those, uh, what do you call them, the fact-checking banners. So that's still in progress. In California, the Glendale Unified School District and school officials at Herbert Hoover High School have suspended two students and required them to attend restorative justice sessions as a reprisal for the student's misgendering, basically using the wrong pronouns, of another student. In Washington, the State Liquor and Cannabis Board heard a petition to install biometric devices at point-of-sale locations for cannabis and liquor. Jumping out of the country, just because what happens elsewhere sooner or later happens here, in France, a justice reform bill has been signed into law enabling law enforcement agencies to access, monitor, and control electronic devices. So this is, they're able to monitor GPS, they're able to activate the microphones and cameras of smartphones and laptops of any person suspected of one of an array of crimes, such as delinquency, organized crime, or terror-related offenses, just if they're suspected. They'll be able to secretly surveil the suspect for up to six months. The Department of the Interior and the Bureau of Land Management have introduced additional financial requirements for onshore fossil fuel leasings to include increases to bonding requirements, royalty fees, minimum bids, and rental fees. Uh, the Biden admin said that this rule set, quote, adequately accounts for the environmental harms and discourages speculation by oil and gas companies. However, the oil industry advised that the rules, quote, add even more barriers to future energy production. In February of 2021, it was revealed that the CDC changed the definition of a breakthrough infection from a case where the vaccinated person contracted the virus after seven days of the completion of the primary series, and they changed it to 14 days. So basically this means if you were vaccinated and got COVID-19, Within 35 days of that first shot, then you were not considered a breakthrough. You were considered unvaccinated. This was an attempt, obviously, um, to continue that narrative that the unvaccinated were more at risk and strengthen the agenda to attract more people to receive that vaccine. Moving on, according to the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the FBI wrongfully conducted Section 702 of the Foreign, Surveillance, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act searches on a U.S. senator and a state senator and a state judge. The political affiliations of these three persons has not yet been revealed. The Department of... Uh, <laughs> The Department of Transportation's National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has released a new proposed Corporate Average Fuel Economy, or CAFE, standard. 
that require passenger cars to increase fuel efficiency by 2%, light cars by 4% beginning 2027, pickup trucks and work vans by 10% every year starting in 2030. GM or General Motors projected that the CAFE standards would cost vehicle manufacturers $300 billion in government fines for failures to meet guidelines. In California, again, the Temecula, probably not saying that right, the Temecula Valley Unified School District voted to delay the implementation of an elementary school social studies curriculum, which included controversial LGBT indoctrination content, such as lessons that showed supportive narratives of Harvey Milk, uh, the Gay Liberation Front, and pedophilia advocacy groups. The governor then threatened to fine the district $3 million. Actually, I believe it's $6 million because they were going to charge them for the, uh, the books themselves. Um, if the curriculum was not accepted, saying that the board members who voted against it were, quote, demagogues who whitewash history, censor books, and perpetuate prejudice. So after that threat of being fined millions of dollars, the board then reversed their decision and will now allow the LGBT indoctrination curriculum into their school. Okay, so we do have quite a few briefings on Hunter Biden, President Biden, and former President Trump on everything going on from the criminal charges and the investigations too much to get into on the podcast, but if you are interested in our coverage of those events, you can obviously go to graymanbriefing.com. That's gray with an A, graymanbriefing.com, and you can see everything we've covered on it, view all our sources. But we will dive deep into another case in Vermont. Let's take a look at this. So in Vermont, an arrest warrant has been issued for Daniel Benai. This is the subject whose training facility operations led to the passage of a law that bans tactical and firearms training if the state deems a reasonable person would know that that training was intended to be used for civil disobedience. Following the dispute with a firearms training facility in Paulette, Vermont, which the state tried to claim was in violation of zoning laws, an environmental court ultimately stepped in to assist in shutting down the facility on the grounds of pollution, the pollution being expelled by spent rounds. On July 6th, an arrest warrant for contempt of court was issued to the facility. The facility's name is Slate Ridge, and the owner, Benai. The contempt charge and arrest warrant is for failing to comply with a June 23rd deadline to remove an unpermitted building from his property. Now we're going to kind of get into some analysis here. Benai responded to the, the warrant issuance saying, quote, because I didn't demolish the permitted building, school, I am going to jail. Please stand with me. This needs to be protested civilly, end quote. The warrant remains unserved as of July 21st. State and local officials are at a point of contention with law enforcement over the failure to locate and arrest Benai. The sheriff argues that he's only permitted to make reasonable attempts to serve the warrant, uh, that follow the state and local laws as well as case law. The law prevents him from trespassing on Slate Ridge, Vermont property unless law enforcement knows without doubt that Benai is on that property. The sheriff and or deputies have been unable to enter the property. There's a gate basically at the entry road, so they go to the gate and don't see him. They're not going to trespass. 
So now residents and officials there are upset that he hasn't been charged. They're saying Benai has been seen uh, in and about the local town and no charges or at least no, no arrest has been made yet even though a warrant exists. Some have drawn parallels projecting that there could be a Waco-style incident if law, enfor law enforcement attempts to enter and raid the training facility to serve that warrant. And in a final update to this, uh, as of August 1st, he still hasn't been arrested, and he's filed a new affidavit claiming to have adhered to the judge's court order by removing or destroying several buildings or structures that were part of that uh, contempt order. Basically, he says that he would like his arrest orders be rescinded and to purge all other civil contempt sanctions against him. So he remains not being arrested, and it's getting, it's getting hot in West Paulette. That's going to kind of finish up our government oversight. As promised, let's run through everything else as fast as we can that we find important to the everyday civilian. Starting with the Second Amendment, as a, a national coverage here for you, the U.S. Senate has voted to reauthorize the Undetectable Firearms Act in Section 6075 of the National Defense Bill. This is the one where they're trying to get rid of 3D gun or 3D printed gun parts and plastics in guns by using the security exemplar test where if the gun does not have enough metal in it to be detected by a metal detector, then the manufacturer loses his ability to make that firearm. And it's very subjective. The ATF, DOJ can basically say, this test, this gun has to pass the test a thousand times, and it has to be done on this really good or really bad metal detector in any method they want to be able to fail the gun. In Idaho, the state's Supreme Court has allowed for the banning of firearms at private events on public land. The Supreme Court rejected an appeal that opposed that workaround to the Idaho Firearm Preemption Statute. The ruling is expected to allow cities and counties to permit private entities to prohibit firearms during private events on public property. In North Dakota, the ATF shut down a gun store in an apparent of retaliation for the store filing a lawsuit against the ATF. In Tennessee, the Memphis City Council proposed laws that would restrict firearms rights and preempt state law. The City Council approved a referendum to preempt state laws in an effort to mandate concealed carry licenses in order to lawfully uh, bear arms in the city as well as imposing a ban on the sale and carrying of so-called, quote, assault weapons and would additionally establish a municipal-based red flag ordinance. These would be voted on uh, this month in August and if passed would become law, though apparently they would be unenforceable as they still preempt the state's laws. So we'll see what happens there. In Oregon, a federal court upheld that ballot measure 114. They agree with requiring a permit to purchase regime and outlawing magazines over 10 rounds. A U.S. District Federal Court judge upheld that ballot measure, ruling it constitutional. The measure requires a permit to purchase a firearm, requires live fire training, creates a public registry with personally identifiable information of firearm owners, basically it's a searchable permit database, and limits magazines to 10 rounds or less. 
a United Nations global framework could impact U.S. citizens' right to possess more than 25 rounds of ammunition. See our full brief on this one at graymanbriefing.com. A federal judge has struck down the ATF's attempt to regulate firearm parts, kits, receivers, and frames. But then shortly after, the Biden administration sought emergency relief. After that, judge ordered the ATF's ghost gun rule that regulated those firearm parts, kits, receivers, and frames. SCOTUS has now, SCOTUS is the Supreme Court, has now issued an administrative stay that will remain in place until August 4th. Uh, so that's about to that's about to happen, so get ready. We'll update you. Uh, for now, it's still in effect. The law is still in effect. Okay, shifting from the Second Amendment to supply chain briefings. China is going to restrict key metal exports used in semiconductors and other technology. They threaten to disrupt vehicle, computer, and national defense technology productions here in the U.S., this one all boils down to gallium and geranium, two very important minerals used in, of course, semiconductors, smartphones, defense weaponry, computers, solar panels, fiber optic systems, and space equipment. Full brief on that one on our website as well. Drought conditions in the Midwest may impact prices on beef, grains, and water. Residents in those areas are under water conservation restrictions. A tornado, which was an, at least an EF2, in Rocky Mountain NC destroyed a Pfizer plant, destroying 50,000 pallets of pharmaceuticals. Regarding the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, the SPR, the U.S. Secretary of Energy advised that they will not begin refilling it until about October or November of this year, and it's not expected to be replenished until sometime between 2025 and 2028. During Trump's presidency, it was refilled to its the most it can be refilled. And during President Biden's term, I believe it was 2022, um, that's when it was depleted to help reduce fuel prices, to artificially reduce fuel prices leading up to the 2022 midterm elections. Russia withdrew from a United Nations agreement that allowed for the safe passage of vessels carrying grains across the Black Sea. Russia's defense ministry announced that all vessels, quote, all vessels sailing in the waters of the Black Sea to Ukrainian ports will be regarded as potential carriers of military cargo. The countries of such vessels will be considered to be involved in the Ukrainian conflict on the side of the, of the Kiev, Kiev, Kiev regime. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, so the shipping industry to include Cargill, which is a U.S. agricultural transporter that frequently carries grains through the Black Sea, they've either reduced or halted shipments in the area. Wheat prices on the European Stock Exchange increased in one day by 8.2%, and U.S. futures increased, increased by 8.5% in a single day. So start expecting some wheat price increases or disruptions. India has banned exports of non-Basmati white rice. This accounts for approximately 11 million tons of rice annually. India exports 40% of global rice products. India cited internal food prices, particularly an 11% increase in rice costs, which they say is due to weather, as justification for that export ban. Uh, right after this happened, there were a lot of grocery stores here in the U.S. that 
were completely out of bulk rice, specifically in areas uh, commonly commonly home to Indians and Asians. This is mainly going to impact Thailand, Vietnam, the Ivory Coast, Bangladesh, and Nepal. But as I said, we're seeing that panic buy here in the U.S. already. A 20-pound bag of rice increased overnight from $24 to $34 here in the U.S. Sugar and sweets. We're talking about things like candy and chocolates. Uh, their prices are up 11% from the same time in 2022. Prices on sugar as a whole globally are up 42% from last year. And they're projected to increase through 2024. Moving from the supply chain to national security, the National Counterintelligence and Security Center, the NCSC, issued a bulletin warning of an amendment that the Chinese Communist Party just made to, quote, combat espionage. It gives the Chinese government greater access control over companies' data. Coinciding with this, the Department of State issued a bulletin, or actually they issued a travel advisory for China saying that there is now an increased risk of wrongful detentions of U.S. citizens traveling or working in China. The primary concern is the law's discernment of what relates to national security. And this law we're talking about is China's law. It's not clearly defined in their legal text, and the NCSC warned that such a law, which went into effect early July, provides the People's Republic of China expanded legal grounds for accessing and controlling data held by U.S. firms in China, such as Apple or TikTok. President Biden ordered the Secretary of Defense to activate 3,000 military service members from the Select Reserve and or IRR to augment Operation Atlantic Resolve in and around the U.S.-European Command's area of responsibility. U.S. officials have confirmed that the Chinese Communist Party and their, linked, their hackers that they've been linked to associated with Storm-0558 breached Microsoft's cloud-based security and accessed U.S. government email systems at an unspecified number of agencies, which one included the Department of State. This same breach that was previously reported in May and confirmed in June remains unresolved. The malware has yet to be removed from government systems. The embedded code is within networks controlling power grids, communication systems, and water supplies that feed U.S. military bases and subsequently civilians in the areas that neighbor these U.S. military installations or that share common infrastructure. Officials advise that the, the intent of the malware is to, quote, disrupt U.S. military operations in the event of a conflict, end quote, such as the invasion of Taiwan. More information continues to be revealed about this breach, and it was first linked to the U.S. Inform information systems in Guam, if you remember us covering that a podcast or two back. If a conflict begins in the area of the South China Sea or the Taiwan Strait, expect a possible code execution that could disrupt power, internet, and water infrastructure across the U.S. Okay, and finally, shifting from national security into our civil unrest briefing, we're going to do this quick. I'm just going to read you basically the headlines, enough to tell you where it happened and what happened. If you want to learn more, of course we've got this stuff on our Gray Man Briefing service where we have all the sources cited. 
and further details about each one of these little events I'm going to give to you in like a one sentence spill out. And this most of the stuff, I would say half of it isn't in news articles, so Googling it isn't going to help. A lot of it's from just our sources we have and OSINT uh, searches, mainly covering social media and obscure social media posts to be able to piece the stuff together. So let's get right into it. Climate activists in Michigan disrupt an energy meeting protesting a pipeline. LGBT activists chanted, they're coming for your children in New York. LGBT activists wear BDSM apparel during a march in Minnesota. Neo-Nazis clash with Proud Boys in Oregon. Patriot Front, White Lives Matter, and alt-right protest child grooming events in California. Trans activists dance nude in front of children in Washington and Toronto. Muslims invade the Swedish embassy to protest the burning of a Koran. Uh, DeSantis and Trump attend Moms for Liberty summits amid their designation as an extremist group and amid recent doxings in Pennsylvania and Florida. Mass riots continue in France. New York City will pay out $13 million to George Floyd rioters who required only monetary compensation and didn't even want a policy change. Juvenile mobs traverse Minneapolis, attacking police. Communists rally for support in Pennsylvania and California. Climate activists disrupt LGBT events in England. Proud Boys protest against a drag story hour in And that's it for this week's readout of the Gray Man Briefing on Survival Dispatch. As always, stay in the know, stay ready, and stay safe. Take care, everyone.